Welcome to the Discipleship Podcast with Pastor Pablo Martinez. We truly believe disciples aren't born, they are made. If your desire is to grow, renew your mind, and go to the next level in the way you live for God, this podcast is for you. Pastor Pablo will be sharing the real heart of a disciple through tough but transformational truths that are sure to confront us. These truths will lead us into establishing the kingdom of God in our lives. Now is the time. Grab your pen, a notebook, and your Bible. It's time to get formed. Hello, CFF. Welcome to Formation Friday. It is so good and exciting to be with you. Um, I got to tell you, I um, uh, the word that's uh, going to be shared tonight, um, it's really close to my heart. I believe that if each one of us uh, happen or, or manage to grip it and to get it into our spirit, uh, it can really change not just our lives, but our world. We are now talking about the eighth characteristic of a multiplying disciple. Um, it is uh, super important for us to understand that God wants to use every single one of us to win souls and make disciples. I want to make sure that we, as a church, realize that it is not about having services. It is not about having church services. It is not about having meetings. It's about making disciples. I was reading about the, uh, the church of the first century, the original church. They couldn't meet in houses, and they couldn't meet in synagogues. They were persecuted. They went through so much, and they would meet in houses. Now, I, it is important, and we're driving towards meeting together. This is why next week, we're going to be having Friday service in the parking lot. So we're going to do as best as we can to be, keep everybody as safe as possible. I repeat again, if you guys don't feel comfortable, don't worry about it. Don't feel bad. Follow, keep keep uh, joining us online. But we're going to uh, do our very best to meet. But I, what I want to tell you is this, is that the goal of this church is not to have services. The goal of this church is to make disciples. We make disciples who make disciples. Our desire and our heart is God's desire and God's heart. I want to make sure that you and I grab a hold of this message. If you haven't heard any other message and you uh, want to grow closer to God and you want God to use you, I want to make sure that this message is transmitted from the heart of God. Would you join me and ask God to remove anything that is not of His, and that if it is His message, that you can receive it as His. Close your eyes and let's just pray. Dear God, I ask you right now, please, please God, help us to have your mind, your kingdom, uh, your kingdom in our heart, Lord. Help us, Lord, to stand uh, for you first and always always God for you. I ask God that your mindset, your heart, your eyes, your ears, God would be ours. That we would hate what you hate, that we would love what you love. Love God that your purpose would be our purpose. God help us to drive your kingdom forward. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. There's an amazing and incredible passage uh, in the scripture and I want to take you there. Uh, we're going to be studying a little bit, um, you know, in the uh, of the, the writings of Paul, and give me one quick second here. I left my phone there. Um, can I, should I step off stage? Yeah, why not? <laughs> okay, cool, cool. So, um, I want to invite you guys to do something. Uh, open up your Bibles if you guys have one. Um, I know you guys, some of you guys are using your phone, um, but go to Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 through 30. Philippians chapter 1, 12 through 30. 
how I wish that you guys were here, man. I, I really do for many reasons, but I wish you guys were here. Um, I can't wait uh, for us to be able to gather all together. Like I said, Friday is going to be exciting, and uh, it's going to be the pilot for Sunday. Uh, so we can also have Sunday services out there and uh, just really try to be as safe as possible. I know some people really... Um, you know, uh, really need to stay home, and that's super important, and we want to honor you for that as well. Um, like I said, don't feel pressured. I can't say it enough, but I'm really excited to be able to just, you know, have you guys near us and we being near you. Um, anyway, let's read. Kingdom-minded. Characteristics of a multiplying disciple, part eight. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. This is Paul speaking. As a result, it has become clear through the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? Listen to this beautiful mindset. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the whole of the spirit of Jesus Christ, what has, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage, courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better, for, better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. I'm going to keep reading a little bit more. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a matter worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come or and see you or only hear about you in my absence... I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved. And that by God, for it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had and now hear that I still have. What a powerful and incredible part of the Bible. I could probably end the sermon right now and all of us should have received something special from that. 
I want to make sure that we understand that a kingdom mindset is very difficult to, to grasp to Western-minded people. What I'm going to ask you to do is to put our Western mind aside, our American side aside, our uh, we have rights, our entitled mindset aside for a second, and to understand that in a democracy, God has no place because he is a king. You see, a kingdom is very different than a democracy. In this place, we vote. In a kingdom, the king decides. Kingdom is there because they have an office, they have a position, they have a lineage, they come from royalty. In our world, it's not so. In our world, we choose and we defame or deface as we please. Listen, what I'm trying to tell you is this, that we are not to live in a democracy, but in a theocracy. Where Christ is the head, the Lord is the head, and we understand our position before the Lord. Now, this is really, really difficult for us. Let me tell you why. Because we don't think that way. We're not wired to think with a kingdom mindset. You see, the first thing that we have to grasp and understand is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords is our Lord. The first thing you and I need in order to have the mindset of Christ, the mindset of the kingdom of God, is to be able to promote Jesus above everything else. That Christ comes first. The first characteristic of a person who has a kingdom mindset, of a disciple of Jesus who is kingdom driven, is that Christ is promoted above everything else in that person's life. Everything you do or don't do is for the sake of Christ. Listen to this. It says on verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance, to advance the gospel. What happened to Paul? Do you guys know what has been happening to Paul? He's been shipwrecked. He's been stoned nearly to death twice. He's been stung by serpents. He's been cast out. He's been, uh, you know, beaten. He's been uh, everything that you could imagine. All types of persecution, slandered. You know, everything's been taken from him. He's been, you know, I, this man is in prison over and over and over again. As a matter of fact, this letter has been written from prison. Listen to this. He's in chains. And his mindset, his thought is, hey, let God get some glory from this. That everything that's happened to me, listen to this mindset, that everything that has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Can you and I truly say that the first thing that we promote in our lives is Christ? To my kids, to my wife, to my church, to my brother, to my sister, to my mom, to my friends, do they know that my first and foremost is Christ? The Apostle Paul had this mindset that he was of Christ and he will go to Christ. And he served his king. To have a kingdom mindset, it means that Christ is first. In a relationship, in a, in a marriage, if Christ is first, it's so amazing what happens. Self-centeredness begins to break down. If God gets no glory, then you want no part of it. Man, how much trouble can we avoid by having a kingdom mind? How much blessing can we be to other people 
if we just have a kingdom mind. The first thing about a kingdom mind, please listen, is that you drive the kingdom of God first. I'm reminded of what a kingdom, what, of what a, um, what does it mean to not have Christ first? Listen, please. There are some very nice people in the world, very kind people in the world, very compassionate people in the world. But they don't have Christ first. There are very giving and loving people, but their agenda is not Christ. Now, for some people, that's the highest virtue, to be a good person. I would rather be God's person. Let me tell you why. Because you could be driving so many different agendas, so many different minds, so many different hearts towards what? Feeling good? I believe 100%, and I'll believe this till the day that I die, that there are some very good people by the standard of the world that will, be end up in, that will end up in hell. Because Christ, our Lord and our King, is not interested in our good works. He's interested in His kingdom first. A lot of people that I know, some that I used to work with back at the bank, would do good things for people to try to get something from them. So they'll open up a bank account and maybe, you know, they'll, do, they'll hook them up with some free account. Or maybe they'll erase some fees from somewhere else just to get them to do something for them. It's like their selling point. Their mind wasn't really to bless them. Their mind was to get something from that blessing. A lot of times Christians, a lot of times people who are not kingdom driven, they do things, even good things. But it's not Christ first. It's them first. See, Peter tried to avoid his friend dying. Peter tried to tell Jesus, Jesus, please don't die. I love you so much. He said, you know what, Jesus, there's a better way. There's another way. You don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to die. You know what Jesus told him? He said, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. If he would have said to him, get behind me, Satan, because, I don't know, Peter offered him some drugs, or maybe Peter was trying to, you know, uh, you know get him to cheat or lie or something. He actually was trying to help him. And Jesus told him, get behind me, Satan. It wasn't because what he was saying was not compassionate. It wasn't that because what he was saying wasn't nice. It was because it simply wasn't Christ's agenda. It wasn't the kingdom's mindset. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added onto you. First, the kingdom of God and then everything else. I stay too long at this point because I want to make sure you get it. The first thing that a kingdom-minded person must drive forward is the agenda of Jesus Christ. Amen. Second thing is that a kingdom-minded person sees adversity as an opportunity. And an opportunity not for self that's already been established, but an opportunity to give God glory. Now, I, before I try to sound like, a, like, like I got this figured out, I absolutely don't. But whenever I recognize that God is going to get glory from something, even if it's something that doesn't benefit me, or even if it's something that at the moment is difficult for me, I can say I can see God in it. I want to tell you that the most difficult times you will ever encounter, be in your marriage or in your finances, in your health, as a nation, I believe these are the times where God can get most glory. When I see the problems that surround us, I can say God is about to get some glory. Let me put it like this. The Apostle Paul in verse 13 of what we just read says, As a result, it has become clear through the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and they're all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. 
Paul said, in other words, my pain has encouraged other people to draw closer to God and to preach the gospel. As a disciple maker and as a person who's a disciple of Jesus Christ, you must understand that everything that you go through is an opportunity for Christ to be preached. Everything, and I mean everything. Everything you're going through is an opportunity for Christ to be preached. Put it like this. In the midst of darkness is where your light is to shine the brightest. Have you ever had a lamp in your hand? You know those nice bright lamps? When, when do they give off more light? During the day or during the night? The answer is they give the same amount of light. But at night you could see it a lot more. There's a lot more contrast. You and I have the same God in difficult times and in good times. You and I have the same power from the Holy Spirit. You and I have the same call over our lives, the same God, the same love. But when difficult times come is when the true colors of a believer shine. It is there where you're able to see who you really are in Christ. Your tough times simply set you up to become a greater blessing to someone else. I'm, I'm telling you right here and right now, I know that your good times may get you admiration, but your tough times will get you connection. Man, you may be admired for your success. Wow. But to connect with people, sometimes it takes pain. It takes something that maybe an I or you haven't gone through. But when you go through it, God will give you a place and a platform to minister to somebody that you could have never connected with them before. Am I making sense? I know that we can preach and minister to many, but only a few of those people that have gone through those things in their life can minister to some people. Now, it doesn't mean that you cannot bless people. All it means is that your pain, your tragedy, your chains in Paul's world have served the purpose of God. So, number one, a person who is kingdom-minded has Jesus in the forefront of everything in their life. It's their agenda. Number two, a kingdom-minded person sees the adversity as an opportunity to bless other people and to bless the Lord. Number three, a kingdom-minded person does not take attacks personally. Now, this is probably one of the hardest ones to understand for all believers, but I want you to see it in the scripture. Verse 15, it is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The, la the latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. People are talking bad about Paul. People are trying to destroy his ministry. People are trying to make him seem like a fraud. Paul has given up his life for the cause of Christ. And there were other people that were simply attacking him. Let me ask you, have you ever been attacked? And I'm not talking about attack justly. Because some people get attacked and they deserve it. Just truth be told. Am, am I true or no? Like sometimes I'm telling you, have you ever done something? You're like, yeah, I shouldn't have done that. I deserve it, right? You know you got to apologize. But sometimes you're attacked for doing something that God has called you to do. And if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, you will be attacked. As a matter of fact, that's part of your blessing, to suffer with Christ. If you do things right, if you start shining in the midst of darkness, those that have been in darkness will want you to shut your life up. They will want your light to be out because it's hurting them. It's hurting their eyes. It's exposing their evil deeds. Now, you may not be judging them, but your righteous works and the way you live as a disciple of Christ 
if you live with a kingdom mind, will lead to inevitable attacks from the enemy. Let me put it like this. Paul is very intelligent. And when he says, let Christ be preached either way, it's something that you and I, as kingdom-minded disciples, must grasp. Some people preach, and to be very honest with you, it's not my mojo, it's not my style. Some people can preach a certain way, and I may not understand it, but if Christ is being preached, and it really is Christ, I have to rejoice because someone's listening. Now, I, I'm tired of hearing people, and I praise God it's not happening at CFF or as much as in other places. But listen, when somebody bashes another preacher, or when somebody says, well, what about that guy? He's not doing this. He's not doing that. Well, that church doesn't do this. I think we need to cut that out and cut it quick because it comes from the pit of hell. Whenever we see someone doing something that's different than ours, it doesn't mean that it's bad. And it, even, I would tell you this, even if it's done with a bad intention, but Christ is being preached, this is what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, I don't care. Even if it hurts me, if Christ is preached, let him be preached. And it's so powerful to grab this. I want to tell you from personal testimony. We were, in doing, we were doing this 5 a.m. prayers in our shop back in the day. I'm talking about almost 20 years ago. And uh, we were just praying there, you know, um, and it was so beautiful because, you know, we had just finished a beautiful time of praise and worship. And, you know, we were about to leave. Everybody's going to go to their job. And there was uh, two people there uh, that were left. And my mom was there and I was there. And we started talking about something that had just happened. There was this one pastor who was a leader of an organization and he ended up, you know, falling. Listen, he fell and he fell with some prostitutes, some scandal. It was one of those crazy things that, you know, it's undeniable. It was just so bad and it was really rough. Now, I was telling one of the guys that actually I was beginning to lead about this. I said, yeah, man, it's, it just sucks. You know, this guy and he should have this and he should have that. I got to tell you, my mom, I don't remember her hitting me, but she came really close in front of these two people. She said, never, never, ever Touch the robe of the anointed people of God. I was looking at her like, whoa, there's people here. Mom, like, relax. My mom's such a kind lady. But that moment is like a switch went off. I knew exactly what she was talking about. She was referring to the moment where David could have killed Saul. Although Saul was wrong. Saul was not being led by God. Saul was attacking David. He wanted to kill him. And Saul was right there. Without seeing him in the cave, relieving himself. And David comes and he touches the robe and he cuts it off. And he regrets even cutting the robe and eventually shows it to him. Said, Saul, I could have killed you. And Saul says, you're a much better man than I am. This won't happen. I won't persecute him. Of course, he continued to persecute him. But listen, David had a mindset, such a beautiful mind. He had a kingdom mindset. He knew that David was the Lord's anointed. Even though all his men were telling him, kill him, kill him. End it right now. End it right now. Why are we living like this? Because of this guy. Kill him now. You will be righteous for it. And he said, I will never, ever touch the robe. Ever. Listen, please listen. Even doing that hurt his heart. <laughs> Who are you? And who am I to judge anyone? Who are you and who am I? I'm going to tell you someone who tried to take God's seat of judgment. His name was Lucifer. And he ended up where he ended because he thought he knew better than God. What I want to challenge you, CFF, as disciples of Jesus Christ, to never, ever, ever, ever badmouth anyone else. No one from any other ministry, no other church, no other pastor, no one, a co-servant. Because the moment you do that, you're telling God, let me take the judgment seat. Let me tell you what you should do. 
You may say, but pastor, what if they are wrong? What if they're doing this? Some of you guys think you have the correction ministry. You've been self-dubbed the, the, the correction ministry, the one who's the actually ministry. Actually, actually, you're not that. God is that. I believe 100% that my God sees everything. He hears everything and he knows everything. My God is everywhere and he's able to do anything. Why don't you let God be God and you be a disciple of Jesus Christ? Why don't you and I let God lead his church the way he wants to lead it? Why don't you and I God, let God be God? Chuck Missler was asked, I don't agree with this. I don't agree with that. And these things in the universe, I would have done them like this. And Chuck Missler said something. He said, what do you think, Chuck? Don't you think could have been, God could have done this and God could have done that? And he said, you know what? You may have a better way to run the universe, but you don't have a universe. I love that answer. It stuck with me. He said, you may have a better way to run the universe, but you don't have a universe. I don't have a universe, but I have a God who runs it all and he does everything well. Be patient. Trust the Lord. If someone is acting against him, my God is able to defend himself. You don't have to. Amen. Let God deal with them and you concern yourself with doing God's work and God's will his way. Number four, the mind of a person who is kingdom-minded has to have this. The freedom and the strength that comes from the Holy Spirit. If you're a kingdom-minded person, you must receive your freedom and your strength from the Holy Spirit. Not from others, not from anywhere else. Now, I'm not saying God cannot use others or cannot use something else. But your first and most important thing as a disciple of Christ who is kingdom-minded is that you have to have the willingness and the ability to receive your strength and your freedom from the Holy Spirit. What does this mean? It means that you are free from all else and anyone else. I hope that I can explain this and I can translate it from God to you. It's been a long time, a very, very long time that I've been wanting to talk about this and I don't have enough time because I have two more points to cover. But if I can tell you that we need each other, we desperately need each other to sharpen each other, but we don't keep each other alive. My God keeps us alive. My Lord keeps me alive. A man one time was rebuked by his pastor for not coming to church. And so the pastor rebuked him again and called him, where have you been? Why haven't you come? Oh, pastor, I've been really busy. This is way before the pandemic. And so once again, he, he said, ah, pastor, I, I want to go. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. And he would never show up. The pastor got tired of calling him and trying to consolidate this man. And so finally, in a winter day, he shows up in his house. Fireplace was there. It's all beautiful. Knocks on the door. He says, hey. And the man opens the door. He says, oh, pastor, I didn't know you were coming. He said, I know. May I come in? He says, yes, yes, of course. Pastor, have a seat. Remember, fireplace, winter, cold outside he sits there and the pastor is just looking at this man the man's looking at him he offers him something to drink the pastor denies can I give you something to eat pastor denies he's waiting for the pastor to say something but the pastor won't say a thing so he's sitting there in awkward silence and the pastor grabs some of those tongues gets one of those coals from the fire puts it outside leaves it there and sits back down in his chair the man is stunned that the man that the pastor is doing that. He looks at him and he, he's looking at the thing. He said, uh, he's just quiet. He waits there a few minutes 
And finally, the pastor gets up. When the man sees the pastor, he's thinking, what is wrong with this guy? And he said, you see that call? That's you. So long as you're in the fire and so long as you're there with us, you'll remain hot, you'll remain burning. But look at the call now. That's your life. And he walked out. He said, pastor, I understood what you were trying to tell me. That's what happens with us. We do need each other. We need one another to spurt one another in love. But here's the thing. And here's what I really want you to grab. You could never blame someone else for your lack of passion. You can never put it on someone else. I received the blessing of community. But a horrible day will be when I say, because of them, because of you, I'm not on fire for Jesus. You know, it is a sad, sad thing when a disciple of Christ depends, I said depends, in others to follow Jesus. You and I follow Christ and we do what Christ called us to do and we are who Christ called us to be, not because others are doing this. In the beginning of this ministry, I would say over and over, if none of you follow, if none of you go, I will still do this. One day, one of the disciples said, Pastor, please stop saying that. It's really hard. It, feels, it, feel, it doesn't feel good when you say it. I said, I know, but it's necessary for me to say it. It's necessary for you to hear it, to understand that I will win souls and make disciples whether you like it or not, whether you're here or you're not. You have to get that. And I stopped saying that because I believe even if you leave, even if you walk out, even if you deny Jesus, I will win souls and make disciples until the very last breath. Now, I hope that that is also your words, that you can also say, I received my strength and my freedom from the Holy Spirit. My marching orders come from heaven. Now, this is beautiful because if we live this out, then we'll become a fiery, incredibly, incredibly beautiful fire that will We'll just bless so many people. Let me keep going because I'm running out of time here. One more thing. No, two more. The mind of Christ. The mind of Christ has its purpose clear and set on eternity. A person who has the mind of Christ or a person who has a kingdom mindset has always, always must have eternity in mind. When you meet someone, do you think of their eternity? When you talk to people, do you think where they're going? Or do you think of your comfort or what they might say about you? You and I have a duty and a duty from heaven. And I will not get tired of telling you and reminding you of it. Some people don't like it because they feel pressured. And I praise God for pressure. Because pressure forms diamonds. I thank God because I got pressured into doing some really good things. And sometimes I got pressured into doing some horrible things. I would 10 times rather pressure you to do what I know God called you to do. And that is to win souls and make disciples. To remember that everyone, every one person, every single person that you talk to has a, an eternity. Every person is eternal. You know, you're listening to me and you are eternal. And the way that you spend your eternity depends on what you do with the crucified Christ. Every person that you go to work with is eternal. If you're kingdom-minded, your mindset, your heart will be towards their eternity. It will keep that in mind and may the Lord bother you every day until you have the courage and the guts and the willingness to say, I'll put myself in the line so that that person one day will have the chance of eternity. A kingdom-minded person, lastly, but not least, is focused on others. Pastor, I thought you just talked about that. I talked about their salvation, but I'm, now I'm talking about pouring onto other people. 
The Apostle Paul did everything he did so that many would come to know him. The Apostle Paul became such a blessing that others called him spiritual father. Can I ask you something? If you were to die today, if you were to leave this world, and I know this is going to be a hard, hard question that some of you may not even care about. But if you were to leave this world, would your life be difficult? Would the hole and the void that you leave be difficult to fill? Or would it be really easy? What kind of dent will you make in people's lives? I'm going to be very rude for a second. But some of you demand so much, yet you give so little. Beautiful to live with a giver. I can demand if I give. I cannot demand if all I do is take. Some people say, Pastor, I don't have friends. And, I, my, and my answer is always the same. Have you shown yourself a friend? Yes, I have. I've done all these things. And my next question would be, how consistent? And then my next question, if you were to give me the time, I would tell you this. Even if you have no return, you continue to give. Wouldn't you? Let me tell you why. Because when you think of others, you are doing what God did while he walked on this earth. How many friends did Jesus die with? How many people came and thanked him? How many people laid crowns at his feet as he was taking on the crown of thorns for you? The answer is zero. The answer is maybe, just maybe one or two out of thousands that he fed. The Bible says, do not grow tired of doing good because if you do not dismay, you will reap a great harvest in due season. In due season. I encourage you to continue to be an outpouring, loving, incredibly giving person. That you give time, you give love, you give finances, you give smiles, you give hugs. You give people what God has declared that they deserve. Not what their lives say. You guys, a mind of Christ a kingdom-minded person, a kingdom-minded disciple has to have these characteristics and many more. Because I've run out of time, I have to tell you one last thing. And that is that we love you so much. And this church, this church has been prepared for this time. This church has been prepared for this time. You have the opportunity to give and to bless someone. Win souls and make disciples. Pastor, where will I bring them? To you. What? Yeah, Christ is in you and you are a disciple maker. You have been prepared. You have been touched by heaven. Drawn close to you. Show, to bring somebody to that, I would tell you that's a lie from the pit of hell. You are the church. Allow God to use you to bring many to win souls and make disciples. Let me pray for you that God would use you. Um, to be very, very honest with you, it's so difficult for me to preach in a place where there doesn't seem to be people. I mean, there's only a couple people here. But I, I, I'm a very a person that must connect. But I've, gone, I've gotten used to something now. I decided to think of it like this. Because you're not here. Because you're at home. Because there's certain comforts that you have. You will have to fight so much harder to be discipled. Because comfort is always, 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 always the biggest impediment of a true disciple of Jesus Christ. Your comfort is the enemy of a disciple of Jesus Christ. Whenever you go through comfort, you forget about many things. I invite you that God moves you out of comfort that you would win souls and make disciples. God bless you guys so much. Let me pray for you one last time. Dear God, I thank you so much because Jesus, 
You never stopped giving. You never stopped pouring. I thank you, Jesus Christ, because you, my Lord, my Savior, went through so much to bless us. Thank you, Jesus, because your Father's will was always yours. I ask you that you give us the same heart, the same mindset. Help us, Lord, to seek first your kingdom, understanding that everything else will be added. God, make us the kind of disciples that when adversity hits, we get excited because we're about to see your hand move powerfully. Dear God, give us that kind of mindset that Paul had, that his chains, his chains brought freedom to so many others. God, if there's anyone listening to me that has been offended by anyone, myself included, I pray, God, that you let them see that a kingdom-minded person must do away with offenses if they are to be effective for the gospel. Help us, God, to lay our offenses as much as our praises on your feet. God, we lay them down and we tell you, take my offense, take my pain, and do something beautiful with it. Papa, please, please, God, take my life and do something beautiful with it. God, one day you will call me home. I will see your kingdom in fullness. But as long as we're here on this earth, we want to drive your kingdom forward. God, make us great investors to invest into people on a one-on-one -on -one base, to invest into people when no one else wants to invest in them. Dear God, I pray that you make us great givers that to every person that's near us, we will give them in such a way you and what you give go to fill. God, help us, Lord, to be the kind of people that every single time and every single day, Lord, we have eternity in mind. Jesus, thank you so much for showing us this firsthand. In your name we pray. Amen and amen.